Hi there, Pastor Austin Vondracek here. Thank you for joining us at Rosewood Church Online. My prayer for you is that this message will be used by God to bless, teach, and challenge you today. And whether you call Rosewood home and are catching up on a past message, or you're one of our many long-distance partners who tune in every week, would you consider giving back to support the ministries and missions of Rosewood Church? You can do so easily through our website, rosewoodchurch.org. And if you're listening and you're local to the West Michigan area, we would love to have you in person when the time is right for you. Again, I pray this blesses you and helps you grow in your love of Jesus Christ. All right. Well, today is our third week in a series that we are calling Weary, the Spiritual Disciplines uh, for the Spiritually Drained. And, um, and we started this series off a couple weeks ago, um, laying that groundwork of grace, knowing that, we, or, or at least enforcing the fact that we are saved by grace, not by what we do, that we are called a child of God by grace, not what we do, that we are, are, um, that we are maintained in God's hand by grace, not by what we do. Um, and that was important to set out because if we are to look at these spiritual disciplines as gifts that God has given us to help you know, resurrect our life, to breathe new life into our weary souls, the only way that's possible is if we understand it from a perspective of grace. Because if we see it from a perspective of works righteousness, then these disciplines will become burdens, greater burdens, rather than gifts of grace. And so last week we actually got into one of the disciplines and we looked at rest. And this week we look at the discipline of scripture. Now when you think about scripture as a spiritual discipline, you often think of it in terms of reading. Uh, but we are going to look at it from a, a, a also, reading as well, but also a wider perspective of sharing and hearing. And we're going to do that by taking two different paths together that will eventually come together to one. Uh, the one path will be seeing scripture from a personal devotion standpoint, and the other from a group standpoint or, or a group engagement uh, perspective. But before we journey down uh, either of those roads, let me just say that there is likely no other Christian discipline uh, that can make you feel more categorized or rated as a good or bad Christian uh, than scripture, maybe even more so than going to church. Scripture reading is one of those things that often becomes a litmus test for what, how strong or how weak uh, your faith m might be. Now, there is, a certain, there is a certain truth to that because Scripture is the authoritative Word of God. It's, it's not the only way that God connects with us, but it is the way by which we understand what, what salvation life looks like. As Pastor Howard prayed earlier, uh, he, he, we talked about, and, and, and you know, this is kind of on my mind as I see the, um, the colors change, and you look at nature, you look at the trees changing in Michigan, or you look at Lake Michigan, or you look at an ocean, or you look at a mountain range. And I know for, for many people, myself included, uh, we can just be struck by the, the awe of the creative power of our creating God. And, and there is sort of this spiritual experience that, that we have often in, in places like, like nature. Uh, but the thing is, what makes that different from, from Scripture is that in nature, you're not going like to look at a tree or look at a rock and be like, oh, Jesus died for my sins, right? Unless there's like graffiti, 
But like beyond that, in its natural form, you're not going to understand Jesus as, as your Savior. And that's where Scripture comes in. Because Scripture clarifies, Scripture uh, articulates what life with God looks like. And so it is, it, is a, a, um, it is important to understand that we connect with God in, in any no, an unlimited number of ways. But there is something special about Scripture. Romans 10.17 says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So we need God's word. The Bi- I've heard it said the Bible is the Holy Spirit's vocabulary. And so uh, the way that we kind of bring on the vernacular and the understandings of God is, is to read his word, to take upon ourselves that vocabulary. But certainly a lot of pressure gets applied to reading your Bible. And especially, not just reading your Bible, but, but sometimes also the feeling of like needing to read your Bible the right way. And so because of that, we ask all these different questions about trying to clarify, how do we do it right? Okay, do you, like, when's the right time to read the Bible? Is it in the morning or is it at night? Is it during your lunch break? Here's a question. If you get up in the morning and you get less sleep, does that sacrifice amplify your connection with God while you read? I don't know. We ask questions like, you know, when um, should you read it straight through? Or should you, you know, bounce around a little bit? If you just open the Bible, close your eyes, and put your finger on a page, does that count? Or is that too random, right? How about devotionals? Do devotionals count? Or is that more of like in addition to reading just raw scripture. And, and, and perhaps really kind of over top of, of all of those questions is like, what's enough? Like how much reading is enough? How much time is enough? How many passages of the Bible, how many stories, how many chapters are enough? And also enough for what? And all of this can start to feel like the Bible is another box to check, right? It's another thing to do to add to your already long list of things on your schedule. And then it becomes a burden rather than a blessing as a gift from God. And, and when we do sometimes have the, the courage to fess up and talk to another believer about how we're struggling with reading the Bible, sometimes that doesn't get met with the kind of encouragement that we're looking for, right? Sometimes it's like you feel judged that, oh, I'm not reading my Bible. And, and every, you think that everybody around you reads your Bible for two and a half hours a day, except for the pastor, he reads his Bible five hours a day, and I'm not reading my Bible. So it's just kind of, you, you kind of keep it to yourself, but sometimes you're actually willing to go there with a person. And, and maybe you get advice like this, advice that I've received, and admittedly, I've given. The, the advice that it goes something like this. Buck up, read it, love it. Three steps. Buck up, read it, love it. It's got to be a better way. Got to be a better way. So let's look at that first, kind of that, that first avenue. The first avenue we'll go down is personal devotion. That is reading the Bible to yourself, just you and God with scripture in hand. Now I have, um, I've always wanted to be um, I have always wanted to emulate certain pictures I see of people reading their Bible. Here's the guy I want to be. I want to be that guy who gets up early in the morning before his family. I pour myself a cup of coffee, and I have the Bible in one hand, and a pen in the other hand, and a journal next to me. And that journal is where I write down all these magnificent revelations that God gives me that morning. And then, as I'm sitting in my bay window 
and the sun is starting to come up and my family is still sleeping, I pray for them and I pray for me and I pray for you. That's who I want to be. That's not who I am. (laughs) That's who I am for like two days. And then I just like, it just doesn't work for me. Because what I'm trying to, I'm trying to emulate like this picture that I saw on like Instagram or like your mommy blogger post that has like this woman who's got it all together, who's reading her Bible looking just like that in the kitchen that just got remodeled. And so you, you have all these images in your head. And I just bring that up to say, you don't have to do that. There is no box that you have to fit into. There are people out there who may be able to provide for you other options, especially if scripture reading has become kind of this dry experience for you, but do not feel like you have to fit into anyone or conform to anyone else's picture of what reading scripture is supposed to look like. Starting and maintaining daily habits of Bible reading, and oftentimes that's what we're looking at doing when we're in this place of of spiritual weariness, is looking to restart our prayer life, or maybe for some of you, even just starting it in the first place. I think, uh, honestly, I think one of the best places to start with this, if if this is you, um, or if this is you in the future, is to come to God with the admission that, frankly, you're terrible at it. That you want to do it, that you want to engage with Scripture, but there's something something that's blocking you. There's this, there's this weakness that you have that doesn't allow you to do it. I mean, let me, so let me just, here's an example of a prayer. If you want to copy me, fine. If you want to pray it in your own way, pray it in your own way. But something like, you know, God, um, I know that I should be reading, and I want to, but I'm not. God, change my heart to allow me to follow through on this. Now, here's the really important difference about praying to God, asking for his strength versus the buck up, read it, love it uh, uh, tactic, okay? Here's, and, and some of us, even without somebody telling us, that's what we think we got to do. Buck up, read it, love it, right? But, but here's the difference, is that the buck up, read it, love it is I, trying to change, it's behavioral transformation, okay? It's, I want to do things differently, The praying to God, asking for his strength in your weakness, is a completely different story. You're going to the Holy Spirit, the one who illuminates our hearts and minds through Scripture, who transforms the words of Scripture from just ink on a page to God's communion with us. You're going to that Spirit, to the source, to say, God, change my heart. To start at the source of of you. So it's not just changing behaviors but it's changing what you crave. Ask God to give you the craving for his word. If that's not you, ask God for that. Ask him again and again. Go right to the source. And as you work into the rhythms of regular life with God, experiment with how you read. I remember talking with a woman who, uh, this was years ago, talking with a woman who, uh, admitted to me her own just weariness in, in reading scripture. Um, just couldn't, couldn't get into it like she felt like she needed to and like she wanted to. And she was kind of in this, um, she was in this cycle. It's a cycle that maybe some of you recognize here. Here's, here's what the cycle looks like. Uh, she's, go to the next slide, thank you. Uh, there's, um, she's not reading scripture, or this could honestly be any spiritual discipline, but we're looking at scripture. She's not reading scripture, and not reading scripture makes her feel very guilty. And as that guilt builds, the motivation builds as well. 
And so then she eventually reads scripture. But as she's reading scripture, she's feeling less guilty. And the problem is that guilt may be what's motivating you. So less motivation, eventually no more scripture. It goes over and over and over again. The problem with this is when you, when you think about this, whether, again, you're applying it to scripture or going to church or praying or, or whatever it might be, the problem is this whole circle is, is really about you. It's about you kind of getting that guilt off of your shoulders, you feeling like a, a, a better Christian. It's not, about, it's not about God. It's not about communion with him. It's, it's actually about you, and the motivation is you not feeling guilty. So there's, again, there's got to be this better way. Well, th- this was the cycle that she was in, and, and I remember she, she, she said to me, um, this, this, asking her questions, and, and this was what really kind of tipped it off. She said, if I, could just get th- if I could just get to the New Testament, I know I could make it the whole way. And that's when I realized that for her, the only way that she understood you could read the Bible was from front to back. Which, granted, it's a book, and how do you read books? Front to back, right? But she didn't realize that you can go anywhere. You can open to any page you want. And so I told her, read, go straight to the New Testament. Because she had read Genesis 50 times, but she'd get to Leviticus and just burn out, right? You've been there. Uh, she had done that over and over and over again. I said, just go to the New Testament. Read the New Testament. Now, initial, her initial reaction to me of like suggesting a different way of doing things, it looks like what I did was take her Bible from her, spit in it, and just rub the pages together. She was appalled. But after a while, realized, I can do this. And you can do that. And, I, and that's why I bring up this story is to say there is not one way that you have to do it. No one ever said you have to do it one certain way. Now, perhaps reading from cover to cover is an important practice for you. Fantastic. Keep it up. But maybe you might want to try something different. There are times when we need to consider different ra- ways of reading the Bible. For some of us, the, we just kind of grow tired of what we're doing. Other people... Changing it up is not so necessary. In other cases, it's just our circumstances change, right? Like your engagement with God, and especially engagement through Scripture, may look a lot different when you have kids versus back when you didn't, or when you no longer have kids in the home versus, versus now. Circumstances in your life may change when, where, and uh, how often you read Scripture, and that's okay. Be open to alternative means. And again, this is the value of community, is that the community can help you through their own experience, perhaps open your eyes to different ways of engaging scripture that is, that is life-giving to you. Now, speaking of that, um, another way of, of going about this is to not just vary how you read yourself, but to step into the realm of group engagement when reading scripture. Now, here's a little... Uh, Here's a little history lesson, okay? But I swear it's relevant, okay? Uh, for most of Christian history, think about this. For the most of Christian history, individual devotion was not a thing. For most of Christian history, individual time with God by reading Scripture was not a thing. Almost all engagement with Scripture was done corporately, was done as a group. Now, with the exception of a 
chunk of time, a sliver of time in church history when this was done purposefully so that the Bible was just in the hands of some ruling elites and only they could read it and used it to control other people. Outside of that kind of sliver of time, um, this was simply the, because of the practical fact that copies of the Bible were not easy to produce. Uh, they weren't available for, for the average person. For instance, in Jesus' time, for the average Jewish person, if you wanted to engage with the Bible, which was the Hebrew Bible, what we'd call the Old Testament, it, it, you didn't like just go to your shelf and grab the, the Bible off of your shelf. It, it wasn't there. The, the copy would have been, or, or portions of it, would have been in the synagogue. So you would go to the synagogue with other people and listen to Scripture as a group. Okay, and then after Jesus ascended to heaven, the, this practice kind of it, it continued within the first followers of, of Jesus, and then in the first couple centuries of Christianity, uh, followers uh, and apostles like uh, like uh, uh, Paul, notably Peter, uh, John, James, um, these these apostles would write letters to congregations to encourage them to continue with the faith, to help them live in harmony with one another, to live in peace, to, to uh, continue to talk about Jesus and the resurrection and the implications of the resurrection on their everyday life and their community life, to encourage them towards heaven, to run the race, all of these things. Th- these authors would write to the churches and the churches would receive these letters and read them aloud. You'd have this one copy that you would hold on to with, with such value because it was, well, you wouldn't have called it the New Testament yet, but those would become the New Testament. They would become, say, the epistles. So the epistles were not originally written and dispersed to individuals in the church and you take them home and you read behind closed doors. No, you, you engaged with them as a community. And then the first and second generation believers, people who were eyewitnesses to Jesus or who knew maybe their dad was, knew Jesus or whatever it might have been, those first and second generation believers began to take pen to paper and write their testimony of Jesus' life. And a lot of testimonies were written, a lot of them. And they would be distributed to churches, handed out. Again, you're not mass marketing these, there's just a couple and they'd be given to churches. And because these testimonies were engaged with corporately, not individually, corporately, then the church as a whole was able to look at each of these and judge whether it was accurate, an accurate account of Jesus' life, and many were not, or if it was a true account of Jesus' life by people who were there. And 200 years later, when the, the, the church leaders tried to, tried to kind of make a canon to, to bring what we now today call the New Testament together, the, the legwork was already done because there was four accounts that were used throughout the region of Galilee where Jesus engaged in ministry. You know them today as Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were understood corporately as true accounts by people who were there and people who knew people who were there. So because the Bible, even before we called it the Bible, was, was, was engaged with corporately as a group, we have a reliable, we have four reliable testimonies of Jesus' life. So often we think of the Bible as a solitary thing, which it can be. 
But what I'm trying to point out is that for the vast majority of Christian history, it has not been. So when Paul writes something like this, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Or when Isaiah says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Or Paul again says, all scripture is God breathed and used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Or again, just for good measure, devote yourselves to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. These texts are so often used as, uh, today as direct for why you should be involved in scripture, uh, in reading scripture. But what we cannot forget is that speaking and hearing God's word in community was implied in all of scripture's testimony, the Old and New Testament. It was implied that engagement with it would be communal. When the Bible was written in all of its individual parts, the discipline of scripture reading was something that was done communally. A copy of the Bible was, has historically been expensive, time-consuming, and not available to the average Christian. And, and reading the Bible alone for the majority of Christianity was not possible for most people. However, for many Christians today, that is one of the only ways that they really engage with Scripture. Now, I am not saying that if you've got a good thing going right now in terms of your engagement with Scripture, that you need to throw that out the window. By no means. What I'm trying to draw attention to is the fact that this idea of personal devotions is new. Relative to history, it is new. And it is good. But a holistic faith is both individual and communal. And an unintended consequence of the blessing that we have, that there is a Bible underneath all of your butts right now, and that you have at home, an unintended consequence is that we do tend to have it be more individual, rather than being corporate. So let's think about just like really practical uh, solutions here or ways forward. For one, uh, the fact that you're all here or you're watching online or listening online, for one, you are engaged corporately in scripture. Even more so if you engage with this message and with these texts outside of this room. Also, here's another practical way where you can take your individual devotion and maintain it, but also bring it into a, a group engagement. Um, for many of you, you are, if you are reading your Bible, at home, and you've got a spouse or kids or roommates who are also reading their Bible at home, here's an idea. You could just talk about what you read at dinner once a week, every night, who knows. Bring it up. Talk about what you're reading. Or if you want to, you could all agree to a reading plan where you're all reading the same things. And then at certain times, at certain times that are probably already embedded within your communal life in your home, you could do this together to talk about scripture and bring it from the private into the corporate, into the group. So let's bring these two points together. Um, individual and communal engagement with scripture. And most importantly, let's also talk about why and how scripture can be uh, a blessing to the broken rather than just a burden of achievement and work. The fact is that there is likely no more important discipline if you were in a scenario where you could only choose one. There's no more important discipline, in my opinion, than reading uh, scripture. 
And whether that be reading the words on your own time, uh, uh, hearing the words corporately, or applying the words communally, all of those avenues and any of the unique methods and individual methods uh, that fall under them, uh, all of them are important. And I believe that they are important every single day just because of this very simple reason, which is that um, how often do you face challenges and temptations every day? How often do you need encouragement every day? How often do you feel like you are having to handle more than you can handle every day? How often do you need God every day? Living without the infusion of God's word is just spiritual burnout waiting to happen. It is weariness right around the corner if it has not already arrived. Not because the Bible is magic, and not because the Bible somehow answers every question and turns the world black and white and easy to maneuver, but because the Bible is what the author of life authored in order to lead you to life. Through Scripture and through a community that values Scripture, not just one that reads Scripture all individually, but one that connects in script, through Scripture in groups, as families, a, a church that, that preaches to one another, not just from the stage, but to one another. In those environments where we are have this infusion of God's Word every day, what it does is it helps to solidify who you are in Christ. It helps to remind you of the truths of God's Word. It reminds you that Jesus came and lived a perfect life. And he was the only person deserving to, to not die. He was the only person who was not born under and lived under the curse of sin, but he was the only one who went to die, even though none of that occurred. And so he died in your place. He died to redeem your life and to anyone's life who calls on his name. And it is through Scripture, not through any other way, it is through Scripture as the source that we know those things to be true. And so through Scripture, we are reminded of who we are. That each and every one of us, through faith, by grace, that we are adopted children of God. And you are loved by a God who will never let you go. You are loved by a God who went to the cross for you. You are loved by a God who gave his life because he wanted yours. And through Scripture, we are reminded of all of those truths. And let me tell you, there is no more weary position to be in in life than forgetting who you are. And Scripture helps to remind us every day who we are as a church and who we are as individuals. You are a child of God, deeply loved beyond what you can even imagine. Scripture helps us to know that. Let's pray. God, lift our weary souls God, for those of us here who are struggling with our, own, with our own versions of weariness, God, for those of us here who, who love you deeply, but yet the fire is out, God, help us to help in reinvigorate our lives, not by our own willpower, God, but by you changing our hearts through your Holy Spirit, making us strong where we are weak. And God, thank you for your word. That you did not leave life with you as this mystery journey. That you didn't make us try to grope around in the darkness, trying to find you, to find this, this supposed life, God. 
but you gave us a way. You provided a way through your son. You provided a way through the inspired scripture writers whose stories we read today. You gave us a way through the historical church that has helped preserve these truths in writing so that we can have them now today. God, thank you for the availability of the Bible and for all of our ministries and missionaries and mission organizations that we support and are involved in that are helping get the Bible out to to far-reaching areas, areas that don't always have access, areas where it's dangerous to be distributing such documents because of fear of the resurrection power. God, thank you for those ministries, and I pray, God, that we would not take for granted the fact that we have a copy on the table at home. God, that your word is always there, that we can hear it, and we can read it, and we can engage with it corporately. So God, I pray for all of those who feel the weariness, who are not involved in Scripture, God, who are not reading it regularly. God, help us to change our hearts, to make it a part of our lives. And God, for all of us, that through your Holy Spirit, illuminate our hearts and minds to the truth of you, God, a God that loves us so much. Jesus, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you again for making Rosewood a part of your day. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord. <laughs>